I hope you're doing well. I hope that you're not too bloated, depressed, saturated in excess serotonin. I hope that you gave and received everything that you intended and hoped. Being that I am still, officially anyway, unemployed, the Bureau has sent me back. Once again, authentic Mexican food. I'm sitting in the warhorse near authentic Mexicans. It's true. So, in an effort to ensure some clarity, in this episode, we're going to open up real quick with um, hopefully some, some further explication on what is a very admittedly bizarre um, point that's I'm sure it's been made somewhere before. And two of them, I suppose, because I feel like they were a little bit potentially fuzzy. Um, and this is this this marginal numinous space and the idea of navigating it, of what already is laid out here. Beyond block time, beyond consensus reality beyond push-pull material reality. I think in the next season I'm going to make a concerted effort, which is not something I normally do. I don't really try and modify myself. I'm just fucking flying by the seat of my pants most of the time. But I think that it's necessary to sort of once again, uh, you know, appropriate some of the incredibly effective, though tedious, tools of the enemy and I'm saying this in reference to the reflexive, constant need, perceived need to step back away from the perimeter to describe for you know your listener your interlocutor your your conversant is it or is it con- yeah i think it's it's not conservator 
the person you're speaking to for Christ's sake. You know what I'm talking about. And um, the irony, of course, that is in doing this, um, you substantiate, you reify. The th and this is why um, if you go to, for example, mainstream liberal media, you, you won't really get anything about the fact that uh, the border is wide open. I saw it myself. It's just never even going to be acknowledged. Meanwhile, 60 or 50 percent of the country is losing their fucking minds well, with you know their impotence, their ineptitude, their, their righteous, you know, understandable anger and sense of betrayal. Do do do. How's it going today? The tearing of the fabric of reality, as foretold. Anyway, I'm just gonna sort of leave the leave the thing behind and begin to describe the, just deal with the, the perimeter. And at this point, we can easily make this connection with. Most of you are probably familiar with Jack Donovan and his notion of. Uh, I think he did a good job, a very good job of describing, like the the male job. I mean, that you're concerned with the perimeter. The man gets up, he leaves the house. You, I have met old farmers and ranchers to this day who kind of the first thing they do, you know, even before, maybe they hit the coffee machine or whatever, go out and get on either a horse. I've seen bikes. Common now is the, so the side-by-side. -side. Not a fan of the side-by-side. -side. Glorified golf cart, fucking all that just or you could walk imagine that and I have seen old-timers walk walk the perimeter it's understandable of course if you have a substantial holding but your gentleman um, farmer you know rancher what have you who has maybe you know maybe his property is um, oddly shaped and so it takes a little bit to walk the perimeter of that hundred or eighty acres. In some ways, he's doing it just simply to get, I mean, there's a million benefits, right? Get out of the house, breathe some fresh air, hit some sunlight, uh, get the blood moving. Wow, 100% healthy and fucking natural. And there, there's a sense, too, just uh, now that this is some sort of, it's a throwback. It's like an anachronistic little vestigial piece of something that, once again, if you're contained like the hologram, the, the, the holograph, the hologram, uh, in this prismatic sense, at each level of abstraction, the algorithm is working um, on multiple continents day and night, never quits 24 hours a day, and it only gathers up more energy. 
more computing power, more variety for itself. And it's serving to separate you from all of these layers of abstraction, which I'm suggesting to you are in some sense uniform. And the illusion there is just, well, I can escape to one and preserve. And that's not how it works. You don't get to escape to one fucking level, certainly not within block time, and then uh, preserve the others. Well, you know, just do it and then find out when you have to call on one of the others. So this brings us, I suppose, to this other idea that I believe was introduced as a gift. I hope it's of some value to you. This observation, I don't think it's been made quite quite this way. Um, and, you know, the trick here to how this observation was made is this Castanadian sense, I suppose, of always this emphasis on the pragmatism, you know, this absolute methodology and a type of ordering of your all of the many little bits and pieces of yourself into something. Per, once again, like purgation, building up, gathering energy, somehow storing it. The storage problem, if you can get around to viewing your life in some alternate term, you know, uh, from some alternate angle, you know, terms such as these they're powerful. What else can you say about them? They're incredibly effective. They're they're not even in the same category as the normal, you know, the shit that is crammed down your throat and that some of us are willingly willingly gobbling up the next fucking time-saving app and the next personal, you know, daily, weekly, monthly calendar and all of this bullshit. One of the quick little studies somebody could do out there was just, you know, plot the fucking x-axis as like introduction of organizational tools and then plot the y as, um, I don't know, uh, shit actually accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, of course, it's not the only, it's a symptom, I suppose. But anyway, get, the point is getting away from this stuff into something severe. Even if you don't fully, and I did not fully, and I can't even claim now to fully comprehend The advantages available in committing to some type of more austere point of view. It doesn't have to be joyless, you um, mongloid, you know, you fucking low vocabulary dipshit. You are the one who's making these associations. They were made for you through what, like tens upon tens of thousands of hours of passively staring at screens 
and then uh, solidifying that reality with your your neighbor, or your coworker when you go into the office, what have you. To um, did you see that episode? Oh my god! Right. What we're talking about here is this notion of the launching of the single shaman. It's kind of a big topic. And once again, it's all kind of like a child's rendering pieced out there. Literary, again, literary uh, master, Castaneda. Actual fucking guy who got any shit done, I'm really not convinced in the slightest. I'd almost put my own game against a, you know, up against his just about any day to see what, what would transpire. Am I saying I'm a fucking magician? No, I'm just saying, uh, you know, name the contest. Let's see if any of this, of course he's dead, of course it's not going to happen, and I'm quite confident that it would go this way anyway. Literary masterpiece. Multiple, several of them. I think maybe as many as three, maybe four. And it's there. It's there, this, the gathering of the other apprentices, which begins, I think, in the fourth book, Tales of Power, maybe earlier. And the, in fact, in Tales of Power, as I recall, you have this anticlimactic meeting um, in some sort of mysterious canyon out in the middle of nowhere, Mexico, with these other two apprentices who do have something more than just um, NPC consensus reality um, stuff going on. But the whole thing sort of fizzles because they it's implied, I think, that there's, there's something between them, you know, almost in the way that um, there's something between the players and a band sometimes band is on and sometimes it's not you find out years later that one of them has become a um, I'm thinking here Pink Floyd of course right I think I think Roger Waters is definitely going to have the last say unfortunately or fortunately I, I just I can never quite accept that Dave Gilmore would be so great on the one side and such a dipshit on the other. And likewise, it's it's rumored, I don't know how true it is, that Roger Waters uh, just really didn't, wasn't even that into a lot of this, sh- you know, his actual playing of the instrument. He was more into writing the songs. and I think that a lot of the the depth the glue, the heart in that band really is and always was Waters because when they, I would assume, collaborate on lyrics, um, sorry, it's as good as it can get. And Gilmore's later solo stuff was was not. It just, it just wasn't. Good guitar playing, good songwriting, but there is a force, something that's missing below, you know, the words. 
I think that the where you, you pick this up the best is in these tales surrounding the mysteries of Eleusis in relation to Orpheus and the mystery schools and all of this leads right up into what I suppose is like uh, is Plato now a graduate student graduate level we used to get this in high school but being that you don't even need to read in order to graduate I'm not sure uh, exactly when they would expose youngsters to this idea anyway these guys would make a practice of getting together and playing music and presumably taking very not once again this notion of the primitive and how good they were how exacting they could be is fully fucked up it has to be they could look into the future gather ingredients bring those ingredients to the right people to make the brew they could preserve it they could presumably calibrate it uh, by weight or experience whatever other factors most of this was done by women Brian Moriescu in the immortality key or code lays this down I think decisively or some of this anyway alluded to in films left right and center and much of the the myth right the central the mono myth the this all comes down to the underworld whether this is actually under in some meaningful sense or adjacent or above um, I don't think matters I think but there's something to it why call it the underworld at all why report back from it and accept the description uh, as being an underworld what would it mean if this is a like four-laid order and this is not in any way like a hallucination you have comported your consciousness such that you from this level um, take the journey below if you've ever taken these it, it makes it does make sense I'm sort of being facetious here that there's some sense that the underworld is correct. There's more. It's like those those child's children's videos where they zoom into the soil or into an ant hive and wow, there's a whole other world here. Yeah, yeah. But there, you don't even need to go into the soil. You can just go into the space between your eyes and the, you know the soil that you're looking at or the plant, or what have you. So one of these characters who was, I don't think, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't really know. 
I have the fact that the earliest Christians were dead set on using the metaphor of the musician. I have the fact that the Orpheus myth, which if you don't know, is undeniably either one of these ripples out back into time from the meteor that is Christ, or a precursor to Christ, or a slice of, um, you know, constant sacred time, the eternal penetrating this block time. In the same way that you can visualize, you know, finding yourself in this, uh, once again, this margin beyond block time, but not quite fully past the perimeter. And you, this is the act of, I think, gathering, storing, allocating, harnessing power, expanding uh, from whatever dimension you're you currently conceive of. I think that most people, the reason this is important, this isn't academia. I'm not a fucking academician. I am a dude concerned with uh, my progeny, my, my mission, my project. For many reasons. But I notice, I noticed, you know, 20, 30, 25 years ago, when I did take these sorts of journeys, that there was a not uncommon uh, prevalence of what can only be, I, I understand now, as the classic fight or flight or freeze. Freeze. People would freeze all the time. And you could you could read this as like, whoa man, he's totally spaced out, he's zoned in. But that was never that it doesn't bear out. You can give the guy a little room, you know, and not call him a giant fucking pussy or whatever. But it wasn't even being a pussy. It was that the central nervous system in these individuals was miscalibrated for that event, whether, you know, another one might have been different. Tracking? You with me? So, mm, competing bureaus, agencies of enforcement are circling my parking lot perimeter. I do. I did notice a tail on the way over. A little uh, Guatemalan woman with a pink cover on her steering wheel. Government issued vehicle, obviously. Where's John J. Fucking Stancliffe when I need him to sort this shit out? Which bureau am I on anyway? Is anyone responsible? I do not know. Forgive my digression, but as mentioned, you got to keep your eyes, uh, your head on a swivel here. So, I think what these guys were doing was getting together and pushing out into these spaces collectively. 
you can call this dreaming together. Yeah, I don't know that that's the most accurate or most useful description, but it's one. Ia Whiteley, who we mentioned not too long ago, right? She is um, making visual certain they are they're vibrational fucking patterns you know whether this is a nautilus or um certain cacti or what's the special broccoli that's just obvious fractal you don't need to necessarily um take nine hits of owsley acid to understand music. I don't think you even need to play an instrument to understand it. But you are in a position of being the receiver. It's different than participating, in fact. Sorry you don't like that. Sorry you never picked up an instrument. There you go. And the the truism about the man in the marine... the marina... <laughs> oh... I just came from a, a marina. The man in the arena holds true here as well. The experience of the musician making the music, taking the turns. It's difficult to, to describe without some shared vocabulary, you know? And... Um, but the description almost, that's the point just made. Like the description is almost unnecessary because you as the listener, you do have the advantage. It's as if you are being served. You know, you paid. We glorify this individual. And we say, God damn, that was fucking incredible. But without you as the listener, there is nothing. This isn't just a thing that happened, I don't know, you know, in the arid uh, steppes eight, 18,000 years ago. This happened in Portland, Oregon, for example, in 1995. And I was there. And it happened, you know, I don't know how many, 10,000 hundred thousand times hundreds of probably thousands of times in the modern era where this type of communion occurred but what did it do you know it did but it, it clearly did something the dogmatic absurd adherence to this is demonic and this is not is so fucking just it, it it is frankly um ignorant i bet there are any number of orthodox priests who <clears throat> got started on the road at a dead show taking lsd is that the absolute distilled truth it very well fucking could be was the road there too less true 
what, what are we even talking about at that point? So I think these guys would get together, play music, inebriate themselves, and eventually literally actually in the ectoplasmic sense push into etheric um, supernature and some of these individuals what I sort of read in here is that they would exit uh, entirely that level I like to imagine that they continued to play. And I like to imagine that, like a band of brothers, and I have had this experience where everybody's in the zone, um, but, you know, one of those, um, one or maybe two of those individuals are sort of operating as scouts. Free agents, and this is like the nature of this type of music, right? You have like a ship. It's like a ship at it's what the rhythm section is is like a ship on the ocean, and you're not in absolute control, and it's not entirely mathematical. I mean, you could, okay, maybe the ocean is entirely mathematical and we do not understand, you know, the, the highfalutin uh, order of chaos, right? Like, they're, they're, okay, fair enough, fine. But the navigating of that, keep in mind, too, like, you're, you have a man, he's using arms and legs, maybe his head or something, but mostly his hands and feet to keep rhythm. Now you have, within that man, uh, heart rhythm, brain rhythm. You can kind of say like vagal central nervous um, Over rhythm, polyrhythm, something working in time at two levels at least of consciousness. Fact. Sorry, that's just. There you go. Stitched right together. As well, you have the breath rate. So I like to imagine, and I have seen this myself, where. Well, let's deploy the old um, basketball phrase, and that'll be a nice segue into our next little uh, giftoid here. You used to hear this sometimes when a dude in a game you were watching, you know, on the NBA or in the NBA or whatever, would start to hit, right? Like he'd come down and maybe hit three in a row and then go back and forth, maybe hit fucking, you know, a few more in a row. Now all of a sudden he's got 30 in the quarter and 30 points in a, I think, 12 minute. It happens where a dude just fucking becomes a flame. 
and you would hear the commentator or uh, you know individuals other players surrounding the game you know he's unconscious it was beautiful um, descriptor did you know all of the dudes uh, standing up and down the sideline really know what the impl- well at some level they did they knew like this motherfucker is not on the plane anymore that you are on and it's and it's incredible and this is the thing it isn't that you are mimicking fucking war okay that is a lazy once again academic sort of military school fill-in fucking notion and it's just simply persisted but if Bowery is right which he fucking is that war at its essence let's say is not does not have to be is not so it is not the essential thing it is just merely one variety of war and a false war to gang up on the opposition mano y mano has it's a sacred thing so in sacred time I see the Guatemalans have been uh, dispersed to hover over um, less belligerent backworldsmen than myself Replaced, of course, with the, the classic, the, the hostess minivan. You know this one? These fuckers follow me everywhere. By the way, beverage for today. I splurged. It was on sale, actually. Strauss Family Creamery Organic Chocolate Whole Milk. Strauss Family Creamery. Take, taste the Strauss difference premium ingredients one-third less sugar from pasture-based herds Petaluma California that's a nice place spent a lot of time there in that area and let me tell you this organic whole milk minimally processed chocolate milk is fucking delicious Mm. Now, you may have heard the the recent reports that cocoa may contain uh, high amounts of lead. I I don't frankly care. Um, I don't think it's true. I think sitting around and huffing uh, diesel fumes is, or, or cooking your pla- your food in plastic is probably still worse. How much cocoa would you have to eat? You know? Like six times a day? Like like 12 servings? Because everybody knows you can't just have one. If you're going to sit down and have cocoa, you might as well double it anyway. Yes. And I know you're wondering, get weapons are on board. And uh, snooze has been allocated to the bloodstream 
nicotine levels are optimized. Now I'll admit, I completely lost my, uh, not completely, I know the general train of thought, but um, where, where precisely we left off, I'm not sure. I think that where I was driving was to say that there is an experience you can have where you are both together and separate, that you you have a type of rhythm section applied to the transcendental experience. Um, I, I think that a lot of rock concerts and similar concerts are, that's what you have. And it's almost recursive in the sense that the audience is really maintaining the bulk of the the like protective energy, right? You know about all the monks and all the nuns stationed throughout the world whose job it is to pray day and night. There is never not a second on this earth passes that somebody, one of these certified um mediums to the divine is not praying on your and my behalf. I take comfort in that. I don't know about you. And I don't give a shit at all if it's Orthodox, if it's um, Buddhist, Hindu, Jainist, what have you. Um, The question waiting at the end of this um, speculative diatribe is what's the point and how do you do it? Do I want to do it? So a few major questions, right? I think that we do. I think that personally, I don't think that sitting around doing nothing, waiting, I don't get that, you know, from phrases like, ah, man's given dominion over the world. That sounds to me like responsibility. That doesn't sound like go ahead and make a fucking shopping mall and gather yourself, you know, 3,700 rental units, get a fucking Learjet and so you have some free time. Meanwhile, everyone else will play that rhythm section so that you can party. Do you see what I'm doing here? I think that the, something like the actual order of spiritual reality uh, which that there's only one type of reality right but the phrase uttered several episodes ago maybe as many as 10 I don't know now um, we're kind of in the midst of uh, you know a little thing called fucking war horse Christmas in case you didn't know Um, reality is religious okay well if reality is religious is the current thing, the current paradigm into which you and I and everyone else you know is embroiled, which is making the fucking donuts and paying the bankers the fucking bills so that they can get rich, make all the decisions, and cut your heart out, cut your legs out, steal your pension, your retirement, everything, when and if, and the the time will come. 
and it's it just it's just it has come in recent memory it's it's arrived multiple times two years ago uh, 2008 you know pick your fucking spot it's happened and it continues to happen I don't think that Jordan B. Peterson blowhard extraordinaire at this stage in the game this has all been revealed what a fucking jackass has ever wandered into this territory I know for a fact numerous you know other sorts of commentators deeply committed deeply like moral and religious people have I'm not even close to the first probably even today to say this And some of my base understanding for this just goes back to David Milch, who said, you you have societies, they organize around a fucking symbol, and at one point, this symbol was the cross, and it it competed from the get-go with the dollar sign, or the shekel sign. This symbol of, of energy, you know? So when I'm talking about fucking storing energy and I'm saying like, okay, I'm pretty sure there's actually, you know, I've just been at this for 30 years, um, quietly in various ways, oblique angles, shedding massive uh, gallons of blood here and there, losses, substantial, if not. catastrophic um, to arrive at some sort of sketch if that's all it is of because nobody can get there right like you you can I mean this is beyond a fucking cliche we have cliches of the cliche for this idea like well can't change it taxes death turn on the TV give me blood light We do. We have like, you know, the entirety of the the irony. I'm saying it unironically. You fucking giant pussy. You've never even done anything in your whole fucking life um, unironically. The fact that you would utter that phrase online or in your real life tells me everything I need to know about you. Where are we at? So does the sketch make sense? Can somebody fucking somewhere, uh, you know, just kind of beat back against the wall with with a, like actual Morse code or some f- fucking understandable thing to recognize that what somebody needs to do that is not being done is to outline and then move down the chain of particulars into the granular from this higher level view It, it just simply is not good enough to, to cling to the church as the doors are flung open and your women and children are raped into a pulp and the cops throw you in jail. And if I part ways with anybody at that point, just go the fuck ahead and do it. I, bye. Don't fucking care at all. 
Not a bit. A fucking bit. It evidently is not uh, uh, the job of the former Green Beret or the Navy SEAL or the fucking SWAT cop or anybody else to do a fucking thing other than prepare and wait for impact and then scuttle through the wreckage and, uh, you know, hope and pray. Fine. I mean, I'm, you know. But when that's all said and done, if it's, you know, what, what will be erected in its place? How the fuck would you do it? Well, what are you saying, Andy? Um, do you want me to make a fucking jam band at this point? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm certain it would be more rewarding and more, far more powerful in terms of uh, a arsenal, um, as would pertain to spiritual warfare than, you know, occupying yourself with video games and Instagram and uh, making it over to Planet Fitness once or twice a week to face down the hordes, you know, when they show up at your fucking house. And all that shit's going to happen. Evidently, you know, do you see much, do you you see that on the horizon? Yeah, for a few people, sure. But over there, over here. This country is absolutely massive. And things get strange when you consider this interconnectivity of all possibilities that we've been, this too has been a theme from the very get-go. Way back in, was that 2021? Yeah. Man, I remember the the Bureau assigned me to the the fucking China Garden. Far-flung nails and spa place. Of course, you know, for whatever reason, the Mexican joint. Okay. So I was having switching gears here. You can only take so much, you know, so much of this at a time. But hopefully you're starting to see a faint outline of a reality like through the mist, through the fog. And this is a reality. Is it as real as, I don't know, uh, go ahead and pay your fucking tax money so that that can be rerouted just through a series of simple channels over to Raytheon or DynCorp so that they can manufacture various weaponry, missiles, bombs, what have you, at $2 million, $6 million a piece to then hand for free to the batshit fucking goblins in Israel to bomb the living shit. I don't give a fuck if that child's parents uh, are are murdering Jews left and right and they're the fucking absolute apotheosis of Middle Eastern ter- you know, terrorist bullshit. You don't get to fucking kill his kid. 
you, I mean, Jesus, you just, okay. Have another fucking beer. Check out another fucking football game. Like I said, I can only take so much of this shit. I was talking to my wife. I was on El, uh, the shitter, the tweeter, where Elon is continuing. What the fuck is this guy doing? Like, did you open the fucking thing up or not? I guess, I guess that once again, that the trip on the Ari Emanuel yacht, you, it must have been a very interesting chat. I'm sure that we can just not figure out what backhanded shit is, is on deck next. Anyway, that algorithm is fucking starting to really bug me. The more effort I put into this thing, the more it really does just um, stick in the craw. So I follow my old pal on Twitter, Damon Stoudemire, who you probably don't know. I've spoken of before. NBA All-Star, um, I think he was an All-American in college. He played at the University of Arizona and at Wilson High School, where I too play, played one year. It was after he would, I did not attend that school when he did. I think he was three or four years ahead of me. Probably, maybe even five. I think it was four though. And um, because of the um, the sort of private coach that I spent those high school years with, who I've done an episode on, Howard Avery, he got a number of his protégés into very high-level programs. And I, I, I feel like Stoudemire was the... The diamond, you know, the the absolute success. Because Portland, Oregon is not, you know, particularly known. I was, again, I was telling my wife, I think maybe a handful of people from Oregon in general have made it to the NBA. You know, football, basketball, what, uh, yeah, fucking sports, I know. I get it. Oh yeah, that was my point before, right? Like sports is not um, in any way an actual stand-in for war. I I would really put playing music uh, up before fucking war. Well, how's that work? I don't know. Ask the judge. But that's how it, I've done both, and that's how it seems to me. And I don't think that sports are in any way some stand. This is just bullshit. It's a way to basically occupy yourself and young men okay but the analogy ends right there okay i'm glad i tied that at least that one uh wide open thread back together again so i'm talking to my wife because after you know super solid nba career 13 years i think and uh, rookie of the year he disappeared for some time and he's resurfaced as the head coach for Georgia Tech. And I remember Georgia Tech was, I'm pretty sure, the biggest 
so we're going back to like the early 90s, right? That was, um, they had a really good program. I think that was the biggest college that actually like actively recruited me. Um, I can still remember getting that letter and thinking, wow, Darley, I really deserve this? Is this real? Um, not really germane to this. And, you know, an interesting serendipity, I guess, for me. But Stoudemire's now the the coach there, so he's got a, a Twitter, I'm sure, that he had to, um, part of his contract. And I don't see a lot of his tweets. Once again, thanks, Elon. I hope you really do save civilization and um, absolute wide open anarchic freedom contained and, uh, you know, masked over with whatever the fuck sort of plans you have. I hope that works out. I probably will. When I played with Damon Stoudemire, Probably the first thing that it's it's a it's a difficult it may not even be possible. So I'll just do my best. The guy's like five ten, I think he was probably one seventy five, one sixty five, maybe even one fifty five. Um, you know, he was pretty first time I ever saw him play he was pretty small. Absolutely fucking dominant. Totally fucking clued in. Not like a lot of like, oh, great athlete, but uh, he's just a big spaz, you know. A predator of a sort that you just really cannot even conceive of until you you really start to observe. Like you see it firsthand in the flesh. And then when you get in that arena and you confront it physically... And I don't remember, you know, anything like, oh, that, that, that first fucking forearm shiver that he put into my solar plexus. I don't remember anything like that. What I do remember, though, uh, is a sort of miasma, like a so absolutely fucking outclassed at a purely physical and wherever, you know, the predatory physical mind in competition or um, in war, where these two come together, right? In this particular context of a sport. Now, I mentioned Howard, and I would, I would actually say that I was pretty well prepared um, to face Damon Stoudemire, five years older than me or whatever it is and he he was at the University of Arizona a starter probably an All-American maybe at that point or like one year away from it and I was in high school and I was fucking very good and um, you know in many ways like at the peak of my own I thought about this later and I realized what it is is this old notion they used to say Speed plus strength equals power, okay? You know, physics, blah, okay. 
but there's there's in the translation uh, whether it's the 40 yard dash or some plyometric bullshit that's fucking fine and I think that jujitsu guys it would be it would be really interesting to see if you could go back to that era because in this little clip that I watched with Damon he was talking about a dude named Tim Hardaway who played for Golden State, the Warriors in the NBA. And he was, I think Stoudemire's point was that Tim Hardaway had come over to a gym in Portland and so they were all kind of intermingled and he was saying, man, how strong was Tim fucking Hardaway? Tim Hardaway was like 5'8", but absolutely fucking yoked. And he would post up, that is, put himself down near the basket and uh, sort of pin your defender behind you, receive the ball, and then go to the fadeaway mostly. But it's very physical. You know, you have this, there's a series of maneuvers you can make to just fucking physically dominate somebody. And it doesn't even look like you are. And Stoudemire's point was, he's like, it wasn't like now. It was like people had to be really strong. And this changed due to, apparently, I've been out of it for so long, like 30 years, that NBA defensive rules and I think college defensive rules have changed so much that it's it's not even really the same game. There was an incredible amount of contact, you know, just even at the levels that I played at. If you go watch the old videos of uh, Jordan and Bird, they're fucking each other up all the whole time. The whole point of the game was to bruise and, if you could, you know, take people out um, through basically beating their torsos up or beat whatever, whatever you can get a hold of without getting caught. This was a central part of the game, and this was much of, uh, well, not much, but a pretty substantial portion of what I learned from my mentor, Howard. Whole, like, arena of, like, um, integrating minor assault into just basic, you know, you, you guys probably remember that shit, like the crossover dribble or whatever. There were ways that you could move past people and fucking elbow them or chop them in the balls and all these other little tricks to win. And all that shit sort of faded away. It's, I Evidently, it's just about the three-pointer and being seven feet tall now. That's fine. I don't, I don't really care at all. What I care about, though, was his point. Back then, you had to be really strong. And he was saying that Tim Hardaway, it sounded like, was whooping up on Damon Stoudemire pretty hard in this presumably open gym sort of I guess Nike was there and maybe they were filming a commercial or something. And it made me flash back to that time playing those guys. And as a kid, you know, you know, defeat does not enter your mind. I mean, it's just like, wow, okay, damn. Uh, the score is 10 to 1. You lost the game, but you scored one fucking point. Or maybe 10 to 0. <laughs> you move on. You know, you, defeat does not enter your mind. You lost that game. There's always another one, etc. And this led to this 
this, here I am now, right? I'm almost 50. And I've seen in my own lifetime, this is a 30 year fucking period. I know, I, people throw these numbers around when you're a kid and it's, wow, what the fuck? That doesn't mean anything. It still doesn't mean a lot to me now that I can use that term. Here's the, all of this is just, you know, background information. Maybe you played or watched or something and some of these names ring a bell for you. And all I can say is that it, it is much like what, how I imagine being with some, like in being jumped by a tiger or a cheetah. It's gone, it's gone immediately, categorically, and absolutely beyond your capacity to fucking manage it. If it weren't for the restrictions and rules of the context, in this case the game, it would be a done deal. You would be dead on the floor and you never knew what fucking hit you. I'm sure that there are still athletes like this, right? Somewhere. And the leap from my personal experience, which I'm attempting to share, being on, on the court for years, okay, this was many, 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 many times um, that I played with these guys and coming to kind of work around to the level of um, hunger and power desire that is expressed within this in this context and realizing like man, it is it is n- not even for a guy who's putting a lot, maybe not every last beat of my heart into it, but an enormous amount. It is it's like a child, you know, in that context. But the thing was that it wasn't as if, you know, me or the next guy or whatever couldn't take it, couldn't hack it, was going to cry about it, complain about it, go home and search his soul about it. I mean, like I said, it's just a, it's just one more fucking thing that another piece of data that I will incorporate and work around and still fucking win somehow. And in this 30 year period, I... I mentioned the jujitsu guys. You have walking amongst us, you know, a sort of myth now is sort of maybe emerging. I don't know how far it will go. Like if you run into a black belt and, you know, so many people do mixed martial arts or BJJ or what have you that you never know who you're fucking with. Okay, all that's true. And I'm the first guy to say, that's why I'm going to stab you in the fucking eyeball. First time you put your fucking hands on me, 
I have all the reason in the world to assume that you are capable of that, that you're a stone cold fucking killer, so that is how I'm going to meet you. I'm going to put four and a half inches of steel into your brain from one angle or another, or, I, you know, if opportunity presents, I'm going to shoot you. You know, we've talked about this before, Matt. You know, whatever your approach is, fine. Whatever my approach is, fine. It's probably going to be fantasy anyway or nightmare. This idea, though, this myth or um, emerging myth that there's this kind of almost a physical sorcery that you can, you know, it takes seven years. And I do know some guys who have this, I'll say this, in case this is going to sound in conclusion like some sort of brush off. I know a couple guys personally with black belts who would absolutely rip my fucking head off. I have no doubt about it. Um, I mean, they happened to outweigh me, but even if a dude was 20, 30 pounds lighter than me, I'm, I get it. I've played around with it enough to realize that if you, if you telegraph, if you go with this flow, like if you enter this context, dude, it's over. It is worse than a child. Because all I can really do, even with my sons, because I'm not technically proficient in any of this stuff, is just overpower them, right? So here's a few addendums. These guys that I know, and anybody I can think of, okay, um, unless they happened, I'm sure there are, there are a few exceptions. And I cannot claim to understand what that level of physical power feels like when the whole point is actually to fucking beat you in the face and choke you out half to death. Nonetheless, I'm willing to, to make the statement that if you were to put an athlete on the order, and I'm, so you have two, you are three here. Three. Howard Avery did not go to the NBA. He was a college player and he, he got a lot of people into the NBA and a bunch of people more in, into college. But he was a, um, I mean, he was more like Tim Hardaway. And he did not, I think he lifted a little bit. But there was um, just a freakish, uh, uh, superhuman level of athleticism that was not entirely apparent, like when you first met the guy. The fucking strength that this dude had. I And I, I have met a lot of, you know, strong dudes. I've been through plenty of training courses. Um you know, worked out my whole life, what have you. It just, I have not run into that many people. <laughs> but they're out there. And I, what I'm saying is, is I would put either these three dudes, Howard, Damon Stoudemire, or Tim Hardaway. Maybe you'd have to, you know, fudge the weight. Anybody roughly in that weight class... I think that the level of speed and power contained in these dudes and savagery, I mean, just a type of hunger 
at that point, I guess, you know, this, this may change with age. It probably does. And I think that really the point here I'm trying to um, telegraph is that something changed over time. But in their prime, I would have been very interested to see. Okay, let's take a fucking really killer black belt, triple fucking red stripe jujitsu guy out of the latest Gracie gym. Make them both fresh. Drop him in a fucking alley. Drop him in the alley with Tim fucking Hardaway or Damon Stoudemire and say one of you leaves. I got to tell you... I, I'm and I've watched UFC. I've done all you know. I, I'm not a huge, huge fan, but I'm very, very familiar with this stuff. I can promise you that even in a very consequential bet like all that I own, I'm going to bet on those guys. I'm going to bet, and this does not extend to. This isn't even a racial thing. This isn't. Um, there are a number of white dudes that I can I could rattle off, and even fucking uh, in this interview. This is a name that you may not know. Damon Stoudemire drops the name Mark Price, who was like a 5'10 fucking white dude who could kill from downtown, as they used to say, before the three-pointer became ubiquitous, and really was kind of one of the last of a, a mold, like a white, super heady, um, a general type, like a dude who would put it, he'd get 25 a game, and he, but he'd get 12 or 15 assists every game, and he just led a team to victory. But he drops Mark's, Mark Price's name, who you never fucking hear of anymore, as a dude that you didn't really want to fuck with. Which doesn't surprise me, because Howard used to talk about Mark Price all the fucking time, as that is a white dude who can fucking play. And you wouldn't look at Mark Price and think, wow, this is like a fucking ball of athleticism and power. But I don't think that the athleticism of today really translates. And people want to say actually the opposite. They want to say, dude, Larry Bird or whatever, uh, even Magic Johnson, or, you know, it doesn't have to be this black-white divide could not hang with LeBron James. And I fucking have called bullshit from day one. Like I say, I do not watch a lot of basketball, but I, I look at the world. I look at physical attributes and I fucking evaluate them real quick. Like immediately, I have a pretty good game. If you want to talk about, you know, uh, academics like BAP fucking bloviating about physiognomy, fine. What would be the next level of that? It would be dudes such as myself who in the formative years fought for our fucking lives in places like that. So, and I, it isn't just about you have, it's closer here to Camp 38. You need to navigate the social. You need to navigate the physical. You need to be able to defend yourself and you need to be able to, uh, you know, have entry and exits, the whole goddamn thing. And you need to be able to outsmart everybody. So I'm sure there are examples that greatly exceed my own experience. Nonetheless, if physiognomy is such an important thing, which it is undeniably a thing, I am a believer in it. I am an absolute, but dude, 
what what planet are we on here in uh, you know the fucking dialectic there's another level of this happening constantly at the body language level at the motion if you watch a dude walk okay i'm watching a dude walk i want to look at him across the parking lot probably six foot five saggy jeans probably going to a pretty decent car hat on cowboy boots <sighs> probably 50 moving at a good pace though you know probably can't handle himself but probably would put up a fight but there's no power there there's nothing in the lower body you know he's got the old man ass the fucking non-existent hamstrings because the posture is switched over to basically the upper back he's gone I think that's dirty secret here is that people like this in the same way that fat people want other fat people to enable them in their fucking immiseration is immiseration is the word but I'm not sure I used it correctly in this context in their misery let's say or you know poor people will do a similar thing and as somebody who has lived the last few years anyway in poverty but not before that I can tell you this is absolutely a feature does it keep you in poverty? For sure. Does it? Does your does your fucking fat enabling keep you fat? Absolutely, it does. But fuck all this. You know, are we really going to just roll over and wait for a giant cataclysm, and uh, your Bezos and your your other fucking what? These are your great champions. All right, whatever. What a weird tale this is going to be if it goes this way. We have like. District 9, you know, off-world planets. We don't know about it, or we kind of we kind of know about it, but it's a mystery. And here we are scrapping it out in this totally Brazilian fucking mixed urban hellhole. Well, I mean, bro, it is going to matter, assuming, because I think part of that will be the what is it I always forget this phrase um, the anarcho uh, tyranny wherein the white race is just subject to mass pillaging There was this guy, he's probably still around, but I like this about him, the fact that he's he's quietly kind of stepped away. He sort of made a play at the sort of tactical limelight, put out a couple of books, got a lot of respect for his experience, which was being shanked and having shanked up some dudes uh, in prison and out, growing up in some um, gangster hellhole and like, late 80s Indiana which I can only presume was like around Gary uh, Varg I guess his uh, the gangs that he was running in were like skinhead types evidently Varg Varg Freeborn and um, 
you know, I have got nothing bad to say about Varg at all. Um, in fact, what I think I'm going to say is, is pretty positive. But there was this, he was one of the few proponents that I ever heard. He does not strike me as an, a super dangerous physical specimen. He seems to be a lot of poofa, maybe a little heavy-footed. This is, this is one of those things that I look at right out of the gate is how much quicker am I than you? Because I'm not going to be stronger than you. But the likelihood that I'm quicker than you is very, very, very fucking high. And when I see somebody who I instantly know is quicker than me, my mind will adapt very quickly to plan B, plan C, plan D, what have you. But Varg, I did like his book, um, Violence of Mind. I liked the tone. And I liked some of the exercises. And I liked the fact that he's coming from a place much closer, I think, than you know, what most of... I'm not saying here, of course, that you won't have need to employ a long gun on your fucking farm in Wyoming. Fine. But many, many more people will have cause to employ a knife so it doesn't make any fucking sounds and drop some bodies, you know, behind the authentic Mexican fucking joint and then mask up to get away from the surveillance cameras and never mention it again. This seems to me like something that's necessarily going to um, become more prevalent. And Varg was one of the few that I heard discuss specifically like um, power. Power and speed. Uh, well, just power. I mean, this combination of whatever muscle you have and whatever quickness you have, applying this with precision and fucking meaning it. And this gets close to the type of animal that I'm describing when I say I engaged with people who you know, after a lot more grooming and maintenance became NBA All-Stars. They understood a game, multiple contexts, the money side, the social side, all of that shit. These dudes were just fucking um, niggas, as they say, from northeast fucking Portland, you know? And I was just the suburban white fucking guy who happened to be quick enough and happened to be mean enough to, and smart enough, uh, frankly, uh... To get in and get out without getting fucking beaten to death. And my humble offering here is that my gift, okay? My gift to you. D. Remember D, the live wire? D turned me on to the Tabata workout. I've mentioned it here from there. This is something to definitely put in your fucking arsenal. And he and I both do it the same way. You, you can get the app, right? It's something like five rounds at four minutes and you breathe through your nose and you go as hard as you can. So you're, you're training this, some people call it the fight gas tank or whatever. But you can do whatever you want. But don't do push-ups. Don't, I, do, I do encourage, like some Tabata workouts, I will just do... In fact, I will do leg, multiple leg days in a row. Um, I'm not... 
I just don't fucking want to get into this pussyfoot shit of like, well, my lactic acid's burnt. Like, fine, just I go bronze your balls and be, you know, get some followers and be fucking gay. I want to go every day because today might be the day that I fucking go. Not on my goddamn Thursday or one or two off, fuck, you know, three days a week, whatever, lift heavy, lift light schedule. That's fine if that's what you want to do. And that will probably work in, you know, most cases. But there are cases where no matter what you fucking do, other than what I think Varg Freeborn, the white guy from Gary, Indiana, who winds up in the fucking state prison shanking motherfuckers and getting shanked, and then went through, you know, a ton of tactical training with all sorts of um, interesting and uh, highly credentialed Delta, SF, what have you types of guys. And this is his conclusion. And I agree. I agree at the level that my brain shuts off and I, I, whatever limited verbal capacities I have are just a distant memory. That there is a lot of value, in my opinion, in training in that very specific way. I'm sure you can still train in all the other ways you want to train. But if the if they say like fights last like uh, you know thirty seconds, how many of those seconds are actually decisive? They're going to be in the first five, seven, maybe ten. Obviously, this is the martial. This is the field that doesn't end. It's itself a type of twin Ouroboros. The nature of it is that thing consuming itself. So the permutations are endless. And the the requirements to adapt yourself over time, I guess they do have an end, but in that time frame they don't they don't cease so to close out to touch back on the estimable uh, Mr. Damon Stoudemire the great gift of that period of my life was to experience how many guys are in the NBA it's less than 500. And there's way more than 5 million guys competing for those spots. And all, you know, 90, probably 7% of those 5 million are in pretty damn good shape. Maybe quite a bit better than you. All of them. And not only does this guy make it, he's an all star. He's rookie of the year. And, you know, he didn't blow out. He's not fucking Allen uh, Iverson, who I really liked. I always liked the wild cards like Gary Payton and Iverson. Had a soft spot for their style. Reckless. Axel Rose. Anyway, um, the great gift was to be confronted with a level of physical superiority that even then was fucking just absolutely rare. I mean, I, I'm not trying to make this really special, but this was a special thing. There was 
maybe three other dudes in, in the space like me that were not nearly as constant as I. But they would kind of come through here or there. And I would imagine that there wouldn't be many more than that in every state. So let's say there, and in some states there's none. Like in Mississippi, there's none. But let's say at that period of time, say there's a hundred. And there's a hundred every year. You're only at a few thousand people that have ever had this alien confrontation enough times repetitively. Not one night I got fucking blindsided and I don't remember. Day after day after day after setting after setting after context after whatever. This condition, that condition. And it's, it, has, it has impacted my entire life to realize that one, there are things that you can do almost nothing about if you all you can you can't contain it I mean you can use avoidance and deterrence and these sort of whatever and you could say the same thing about a fucking you know hundred million dollar SF team showing up to your house I mean who gives a shit I can say it about a fucking meteor too it's totally fucking irrelevant there's what maybe a couple hundred such teams there's a lot to think about in terms of just physicality and what it what it really all means i suppose that you know the gun is the great equalizer And that's fine. You know, for a lot of the warhorse, that's enough. I want to speak to the guy on this last point, though, who may be able to, you're probably older or you've been very close observer. And you, what I have seen is an across the board degradation of physicality. I mean, all the big numbers are thrown out. 60% of fucking America is legitimately obese. Like 70 some odd percent is in, you know, beyond, or so attack on another 15 or 20% as like grossly overweight. Okay. But that last 20% is totally fucked too. These people See, because the real place where I come from is just like a suburban white guy. Like, I'm just really fucking normal guy. Barely able to fucking hang on at this level. And I think I can only uh, extrapolate and conclude that If we do have some sort of District 9, um, you know, Katrina-like experience, oh, 
sweet mother of God. It's going to be something like a marriage between a slapstick fucking comedy and a slaughter, you know, horror film. Bumbling, fat, fucking obese retards with $10,000 ARs having them stuffed up their asses by 12 and 15 year old kids who can't even fucking operate that weapon. Massive piles of geriatric victims of all manner of of abuse just left literally um, as human detritus. I, I, the, we've all, you reached the same conclusion years ago, or you never would have found the warhorse that it does seem like, um, it seems to me now that they want to controlled a very, a, you know, the softest landing possible. And as long as they can cover it up and keep enough fucking people, um, believing that your investments are going to pay off to get through the really hard period, then they're going to yank everything you have anyway. I think this is pretty clear. That's not too far what I thought, what I've always thought. But yeah, man, the the physicality even of professional athletes I don't think is quite what we imagine. But the, the, the expectations and the levels of performance in aggregate there might be a few exceptions here and there oh we've never had numbers like this again it's always the 40 how many fucking times can the average uh you know iowa farm boy shank a motherfucker in 15 seconds i think that number is going to be drastically lower than it was just 15 and maybe even 10 but absolutely 30 years ago if you took 18 year olds from 30 years ago Drop them in Planet America right now. I think you may, I think you, you might actually get your rebellion. You know, just right off the gate, like holy shit, these people are weak. Anyway, Merry fucking Christmas. I hope it was a good one. This is only the tenth day of two more glorious episodes of season two of the Warhorse. If you want to buy an urn, I don't expect you to because you've already... No, maybe you haven't supported me because these are free. If you get this free, go over and buy buy uh, Daddy an urn. You know, buy your Daddy an urn from me, your other, your pal. Ah, it's tough out there. But I do sincerely appreciate your support and I do hope you're doing well. Back with you soon. Adios, amigos. Thank you.